The Today's Homeowner Radio Podcast is brought to you by The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Welcome to Today's Homeowner with Danny Lipford, your partner in home improvement. Everyone has questions about their home. We've got the answers, and we have a few laughs along the way. Informative, entertaining, and sometimes off the wall. Home improvement has never been this much fun. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Today's Homeowner Radio Show. So glad you're taking some of your busy weekend to spend with us here. I'm Danny Lipford, along with my co-host, Joe Truini. A lot to share with you this week, just like every week here on Today's Homeowner Radio. During this first hour, we're going to talk about more luxury tile vinyl questions. Still one of the most popular floors, if not the most popular floor in the country. We're going to tell you a little bit about the prep that's necessary to have that professional-looking installation also. So gel stain is something that's changed quite a bit over the last few years. We've got a few problems with it, some nuances with gel stain. We're going to talk about that as well. Also, when sometimes you just want to block noise away from adjacent properties, especially if it's a busy highway. Should you plant plants? Should you put a fence up? What should you do to kind of knock a little of that noise down? We'll share with the homeowner a few ideas that we have. Of course, we got some wonderful emails from you this week. We appreciate those. And Joe, I know you have a simple solution teed up for us in just a little bit. I do indeed. It's how to make a planter for outdoors out of rain gutters. Now they're not, they're not attached to the edge of your roof. So let me just stay it out front because that would make them really difficult to uh, tend. But uh, it's, it's, it's a really clever idea, I think. And um, I'm look, looking forward to sharing that with you later in the hour. I was going by a house just the other day, and I um, I drove up and I looked. It was really a pretty nice house, but right, right in one little valley area, there was a plant that was at least 18 inches tall, growing right out of the gutters. Wow. You know well, how those... The, the, yeah, the valley, you know, sheds a lot yeah. of water in that one spot. Oh, wow. boy, will it love water. And uh, I, it was just uh, amazing. <laughs> I, I didn't have the heart to say to the homeowners, uh, by the way, did you know that you have a shrub growing out of your gutter there? But but uh, it can happen, and it can happen sure. quick. So this yep. is the time of the year to, to really pay attention to that. We're looking forward to that tip. And, of course, we have a lot of other things we want to share with you. But the main thing we want to share with you is our experience in home improvement that has been going on for decades and decades. And we want to help you with any challenge that you might be having around your home. One way you can reach out to us is to simply send us an email anytime you like by going to todayshomeowner.com slash ask, or you can pick up the phone anytime, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and call the Today's Homeowner Hotline, 800-946-4420. Joe, it's always nice to talk about a few of the things that are trending. You know, our social media team uh, always looking for things that are on people's minds. And, you know, one of the things that um, I I noticed in in the trending report this week is uh, reasons to sell your home now. And a few reasons not to sell your home now. One of the reasons to sell your home now, the home prices are still rising because of the supply and demand issues. And the home equity is at an all-time high. That's another reason that you can you know, sell your home, you end up with a fair amount of money and so forth. Um, Again, the supply of homes is at rock-bottom lows right now, so it's it's harder. Yeah. harder to find those houses and and that you know interest rates are kind of holding that back a little bit and uh, that's one of the things that 
is also one of the reasons is nobody knows what those mortgage rates will do next. You can hang around and hope they go down, but there's a good chance they will go up. One other reason to to sell your house. And, you know, um, also the weather's getting warmer. So you're going to have a lot more activity, a lot more people getting out there really looking for homes. So those are a few things. But Joe, what about some of those reasons maybe that you want to hold off on selling your home? Yeah, well, you may end up needing when you sell your home, you may need a, a new and probably larger mortgage. So you have to make sure that, you know, you'll be able to pay off that mortgage if you get a larger one than you're used to having. Um, and if your house needs a lot of work, and that's something we talk about all the time, um, how much should you put into your house when you're fixing it up to sell? Well, if you want it to sell quickly, you know, you don't want people walking in and seeing lots of projects, you know, if they have to repaint the whole thing or, you know, there's structural damage, if it needs a new roof, you know, you want to take care of all those things now because your chances are you'll get your money back and you'll sell it sell the house a lot quicker. Um, and the other reason you want to hold off is maybe, you know, you, you'd like to move, but you don't absolutely have to move right now. So maybe you want to wait for a time when it's a little better for you. Um, you know, some people, you know, in, in the worst in the worst of times, when it's absolutely the worst possible time to sell a home, some people have to sell a home, right? People get transferred, people die. There's, you know, there are things that happen in life that force you to move. Um, so if you don't have to, um, now might be a good reason to hold off selling that house. And, you know, when you are selling a home, if you decide and make that decision to sell a home, of course, we share with you, you know, a lot of times things that you should do to your home, things like improving your curb appeal, decluttering the house, you know, right. taking care of all of those obvious little neglected peeling paint type of things like that. But uh, another uh, little study that... um our, our team put together here is the five most popular colors for a home's exterior. And you really, th these are things that are important because when you're choosing a color for the outside, when you're selling a home or in inside, as far as that goes, you really don't need to pick out what you like. You need to That's pick right. out what yeah. the majority of people like. So here are the five colors, and none of these will be a surprise. But uh, And this was taken uh, by the Harris Poll. 1,400 respondents um, responded to this. And uh, off-white and cream, not a surprise there that a lot of people can you know feel that it makes the house larger. is one of those accepted colors. And yep. white is still very popular. I really like a white house with with a good bold trim you know whether sure. it's the the green or the brown or whatever other color like that uh a baby blue you might like baby blue there <laughs> okay <laughs> well I, I i live in new england and i grew up in new england so you know every other house is white so i'm used uh -huh. to seeing white houses absolutely yes uh -huh. also another popular color light gray light brown and medium blue. All of those are five very okay. popular ones, according to these 14 respondents. So, you know, those are some of the things you, you have to think about, a little bit of the research. And one of the things that we try to do is keep you up to date on a lot of the trends and what others are thinking and planning and doing might guide a little bit of your future plans around your house. So we try to bring you those trending reports as, as often as we can. Joe, what about your trending projects that you might be tackling around your house. I know you're finally getting out from underneath a, yes. a lot of the snow and cold weather yes. up in uh, Connecticut. So what's on your spring summer list there around your house? Well, about two or three days ago, I've been slowly replacing windows in my house. Um, I have double hung windows. They're about three feet wide and I think 54 inches tall. Uh, so they're pretty good size double hung windows. I've been replacing them little by little. Mm -hmm. And so I put two in two days ago. And um, I just buy them two at a time. This way, it doesn't seem like an overwhelming project. To, you know, if I had six or eight windows sitting in my garage, I'd be like, oh, 
gosh, when am, when am I ever going to get time to do that? But I, I pop them in two at a time. So I, I have them in place. I'm going to trim out the inside and out the interior and the exterior. But today, right after the show, I'm going back up on the roof mm. because uh, I'm installing some gutter guards that I just bought. The back of our house, we have a walkout basement, which is great mm-hmm. in the back mm-hmm. of our house. But it means the gutters, we have a two-story house, so the gutters in the back of the house are like 25 feet up in the air. Oh, they're, impossible, they're impossible to get to. So I'm just going to get up there, clean out that gutter. Um, I went up there two days ago after I put in the windows and I refastened the gutters with screws. I pulled out most of those spikes and put in long screws. And so now I'm going to cover them with, I I have these, I think they're four foot long aluminum gutter guards. I'm going to screw them in place. And then that's it. I'm never going back up there again. Oh, good, good. Because the trees are just 20 feet away and that gets so plugged up with with debris. So this way I'm going to just take care of that. So that's what I'm going to do today. I love being on the roof. So you're you're, you're healthy, you're agile, but uh, a roof is a roof. So be real, real careful. Get those shoes that won't slide on you. And uh, yeah, well, I have a safety harness and a line. I I, I don't go up there anymore. Oh, good for you. My wife made me promise not to go on the roof without my harness. Of course you have one. Yeah, yeah. So but, but, I, I'm, I'm tied. I'm tied off, so I can't but, fall but, far. But don't do like that. Uh, that one roofer we've always heard about What's that, that? Uh, had. Well, he had the oh, harness yeah. And, yeah. and he had the rope, and he and he told his uh, helper to go tie it off somewhere. And he came back up, and and you know he said, "Okay, I tied it off." He says, "Okay, well, I'll take care of this. Um, how about going and getting us a cup of coffee?" He goes, "Oh, okay." Well, he got in the truck and took off. But the little problem was <laughs> is that he had tied the rope to the bumper. Yeah, and that, so when he, he took off, the uh, there was a little right? bit of a drag there, a little bit of a drag, and then <laughs> followed by a little thump. Yeah. And um, then his boss was laying on the ground pretty mad and uh, pretty beat up. Fortunately, he it, it wasn't fatal, but he certainly was yeah. hurt pretty bad. So, Well, I'm just, glad he noticed that before he got all the way to the coffee that's shop. That's true. Yeah, he got yeah. to the coffee shop. It'll look pretty bad by then. <laughs> so anyway, we want to be safe when we're doing all of these home improvements, and we're just getting started here on today's Homeowner Radio. We'll be right back. Today's homeowner is brought to you by The Home Depot. How doers get more done. The Today's Homeowner Radio Show is heard coast to coast on some amazing stations, over 350 stations, including this one, WZUS 100.9 FM in Decatur, Illinois. A special hello to everybody there. We get a lot of calls and emails from that particular part of the country, and we appreciate them. And we want to share with you how you can reach out to us. We make it so easy. Send us an email anytime, todayshomeowner.com slash ask, or pick up the phone and call us anytime, 800 940 We're going to go right to the hotline right now. Bill is on the line from New York. Bill, welcome to the show, and uh, tell us about this flooring project you have in mind. Uh, I have a 16 by 20 room uh, that originally just had a concrete floor in it. it. We now use that room more often, and I want to put vinyl flooring down. I don't know what to put down underneath the vinyl flooring. The floor is, I'm in northern New York floor gets very cold in the winter and we get humidity in the summer i don't know what to put down underneath this vinyl i tell you the the luxury vinyl tiles are a great way to go now now you're saying the floor right now is concrete and you say it has uh it, it currently has paint on it that's correct okay all right is it fairly smooth can you see i mean with with it being a painted surface you can usually see if there's any little bumps or ridges or anything like that it's pretty smooth yeah very smooth 
Well, you shouldn't have any problems with that then because that's one of the things that a lot of people don't realize that the luxury vinyl tile is not very forgiving. It's pretty thin so that if you have any little imperfections in that concrete floor, it'll it'll transfer and telegraph right up through it after a while. So that's a, that's a good part there. Joe, what do you think in terms of that painted surface? That certainly helps on any kind of, you know, moisture issues. Um, sure. And of course, he can go with a, um, you know, step up on the grade of flooring to one that has the insulation attached to it. Yes. Um, what would you recommend beyond that? Yeah, I was thinking the same thing, Bill. If you go to the one that has the underlayment already attached to the bottom of it. Now, this is going to be a floating floor, so it's not getting attached. So there won't be an issue. The paint's not going to be an issue because you're going to float right over it. Planks will probably have the underlayment, the foam underlayment already attached to each plank. If they don't, then you can roll out foam that goes down first. Um, but as far as it getting cold, well, you're going to feel the cold. I mean, on, on a, what do you have for heat in that room? Obviously, you don't have in-floor radiant heat, so do you have like there is heat in that room, though. I have a pellet stove. Okay. Um, well, the floor will probably remain cold because you have thin vinyl sitting on top of concrete. Um, but as far as in the summer, if it gets a little, like right now, the concrete might get a little damp or sweat a little bit. Assuming it's not moisture coming up through the ground, which I doubt it is, it's probably just the concrete's been exposed to the hot, moist summer air, the hot, humid summer air, well, that won't be an issue now because it's not going to be exposed to that air because the flooring is going to be on top of it and protecting it. And plus the flooring is is water resistant at least and in some cases can be waterproof. So I don't think that's going to be an issue at all. Just remember the any expansion gap around the room that the manufacturer recommends, be sure to put that in there because this is a good, pretty good sized room. You're sitting on top of concrete. It's going to want to move. You have a four season, you live in a region of four seasons. Um, so just make sure you put up that you know, you leave that expansion space around the perimeter of the room. Have you ever installed vinyl plank flooring before in some other part of your house? Oh, good, good. Yes, I have. Uh, I've, I've put in vinyl plank. I've put in hardwood. Uh, mm -hmm. I do a lot of hanging. Oh, great, great. Yeah, so this shouldn't house, be, so. yeah, other than being, yeah, I mean, other than kneeling on concrete for a day or two, I mean, that, that, I think this, That's especially. They make knee, knee, knee pads are a wonderful thing. That's right. Don't. My concern was, you know, anything I could put on the floor. Yeah like an insulation pad before I put the vinyl down. I know I've been to the local big box stores. Sure. And, you know, they've shown me this padding, but I, I didn't know, if, you know, that would be helpful too. Yeah, it would definitely. Well, it can't hurt. And the other thing I would do is, you know, just to be on the safe side is call the manufacturer you know, get, get, I'm sure they have an 800 number, go online, find the 800 number, call them directly. They all have pretty good customer service reps available and say, this is my situation. This is what I want to do. What do you think? They might say, no, if you use this particular product, you don't have to put anything down. It'll be fine. Or they might recommend putting it on a separate, and it's just called an underlayment. It's just, like I said, it's like eighth inch thick foam that you just roll out. Yeah. Yeah. I saw that in the store. Yeah. So, uh, ask, ask the manufacturer. Okay. All right, All right, Bill. Good, good luck. It's, it sounds like a great project, and I uh, hope everything works out well. If you run into anything, let us know. We're here to help. All right. I thank you very much. Okay. Thank you, Bill. Have a great weekend. Hey, let's go right to some emails here. We got one from Stephen that came in and says, I'm thinking of replacing our exterior metal door with a wooden door. The door manufacturer recommends sealing all six sides to protect the door from water damage. What's the best way to seal the wood and which product would you recommend? And does the sealer go under or over the finished coat of paint? 
Well, um, let's oh. let's def- let's define this a little bit. When they're talking right. about sealing the six sides, and right now, uh, Joe, there's a few people going, "Wait a minute, where's six? <laughs> where's six sides come from?" This is quite the controversy or quite the misunderstanding that we've had over the years because right. uh, it's amazing. I saw Georgia's yesterday, and they were having a little trouble with it um, sticking a little bit. And I looked on top, and it, had, it was just raw as can be, no yep. paint at all. Almost I, always I, is. Yeah. I looked on the bottom. I had a you know actually I was able to take my my a phone camera and take a picture underneath it and be go. able to see it because I couldn't see underneath it. And it was raw completely. So when they're talking about sealer, they're not talking about necessarily clear sealer. They're just talking about paint or stain or whatever you're using to not forget about the top, the bottom, and all of the edges. And it does make a significant difference, especially with a wood door that expands and contracts. So Joe, um, of course, uh, doing the top of the door is fairly easy, but it seemed like I remember a little trick you had about a small piece of carpet to help paint the bottom of the door. Yeah, if there's room under the... Well, first of all, we always recommend removing the door. And when they say six sides, the reason it's confusing, Danny, is it's not six sides, it's two sides and four edges. That's right. You know, the mm-hmm. edges and the ends, I guess it would be the ends, the edges, and the front and back. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you can, if there's any way to take the door off the hinges, that's the way to do it. Um and so, and in this case, he's replacing it. So before you install it, Stephen's replacing a door. So before he even puts it in, yeah, put it up on sawhorses and do the edges. And yeah, he, he sounds a little confused that he thought he needs to seal it, maybe with a clear seal before he painting it. If you're going to stain the door, then you could stain it, put on the polyurethane, whatever you're going to do and do all, all six edges and sides. Um, if you're just going to paint it, then you can just paint it. You don't have to seal it and then paint it. Um, and if you want to do that, then yeah, I guess you would seal it first and then paint over the sealer. But there's no reason to do that. Just remember the top and bottom of the door are going to absorb a lot of paint or stain or whatever. So put on probably two thin coats would be better than one heavy coat. Um, but yeah, that's that's the best you can do to keep it from from absorbing moisture, which is the problem. That's why they expand and contract. And then you run into trouble with it binding. And if you do have any problem in getting that off, the little carpet thing we were talking about is really just cutting a small strip of scrap yeah, and sliding carpet it under with the paint and on put it. paint yeah. on it and slide under it. You can also do something similar with a um, paper towel if you needed to. But that reminds me, Joe, of uh, something that just a lot of homeowners are not aware of. What's that? And that's um, <clears throat> wood conditioner. Um, All right. Yeah. You know, if you're about to stain a lot of wood, and of course you're going to look at the wood, you're going to buy wood that will stain well. But sometimes um, there's there's oil and grease and wax that you can't even see on there. Maybe it's someone's uh, hands when they were handling it at some times or, or during the manufacturing and milling process. But if you lightly sand everything and then put this wood conditioner on it, it kind of cleans and opens up the pores to where when you apply your stain, you get a much even stain. The furniture um, builders use it all the time. But when I was doing my, um, my clear ceiling on my porches, I wanted to make sure that really looked good. Boy, I'm glad I put that conditioner yep. on it because once we stained it, it's very consistent. There's no water spots. It's very, it's, it just turned out great. So anytime you do that, keep that in mind. That one little step will not take very long, doesn't cost very much, but can end up with some really nice professional it's Especially, results. yeah, especially if you're staining softwood. That's what it's designed for. You can use it on any wood, but specifically softwood. A wood conditioner is almost, almost uh, recommended for any project. 
And when we're talking about stain, gel stain is something that's really come a long way. It might not be something you're familiar with. We're going to tell you all about it and a few tips on how to use it properly when we come back here on today's Homeowner Radio. We'll be right back. You're listening to today's Homeowner Radio, the number one place for practical, realistic home improvement tips. Today's Homeowner is brought to you by Custom Building Products, the leader in flooring preparation products and tile and stone installation systems. And welcome back to the Today's Homeowner Radio Show, where it's time for our best new product segment brought to you by the Home Depot, how doers get more done. You know, cordless battery-powered mowers have been popular for a long while for those that have small yards. You know, the runtime and cost of batteries made them less attractive to people who have a fair amount of mowing to do. So Makita addressed that with their new 40-volt XGT cordless self-propelled mower. It's powered by one 40-volt battery, but can carry two 40-volt batteries to provide extended runtime, and its auto-switching two-bay battery system makes all of that happen. That means you can cut up to almost a half or a little over a half acre with two 40-volt XGT 4.0 AH batteries. Now, the brushless motors delivers up to 2,800 RPMs, and the commercial-grade steel deck is set up for uh, mulching, bagging, or rear discharge. Plus, the rear-wheel drive self-propelled technology provides improved traction and improved performance on inclined slopes and any uneven terrain you may have in your yard. So, for more information on this Makita 40-volt cordless self-propelled mower, log on to Home Depot. Dot com. I was in Home Depot just the other day uh, doing a Facebook Live, Joe, and uh, right. man, man, the place is full. I mean, springtime is oh, happening yeah. at the Home Depot yep. with all of the mowers just I mean, yep. piled up to the ceiling. They got the grills all assembled. They got plants flowing out. Man, oh, man, yeah, the parking look. lots, the, the one I go to, that parking lot's half filled with like garden area. It's not oh, like I a know whole separate garden area outside with the trees and the bushes and everything. But a self-propelled it. battery, how much power must the self-propelled motor draw from these batteries? And yet they well, still that's get the first the thing. Time. That's the first that's thing amazing. I thought about. Now, yeah. I'll tell you, you know, I, I have one very similar to this, and it's just the gearing. You know how they'll have yes. the gearing yep. to where it can really save a lot of energy. But uh, but anyway, very, very interesting. Let's get back to the Today's Homeowner okay. Hotline. We would love for you to join us at 800 946 4420. We have Gene on the phone right now with a little bit of a woodworking thing. Gene, welcome to the show, and uh, let's see if we can help you out here. You're exper- pretty experienced with woodworking, but every now and then you just run across something you ha- that hasn't had to deal with before. Tell us about it. I have a dining table that one end of the table where it's half round will not take stain evenly, even when you put it on and finally get it. It will not dry. I've set it out in the sun uh, for two days, and it's still tacky to your touch. If you try to do anything with it, it just rolls up into little 
spring like yeah well, yep. joe what do you what do you think what can we tell gene on this one because we've heard this uh before and uh yes um a lot of, i mean w- one time i remember talking to a homeowner and it was really an issue with the stain that particular case but if this is just yeah. one isolated spot what would you recommend to him yeah gene this is i can hear your frustration because i've been in this boat as well uh, now first so this is a table that had been finished at some point either factory finish or if you built the table it had to finish on and you've stripped it down and now you're restaining it is that is that correct? Correct. I just lightly sanded it with four-all steel wool. Okay. And what wood species is this, by the way? Sir? Is it hardwood or softwood? What's the table itself made out of? Uh, it's veneer. Oh, it's, it's a veneer. Okay. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, that, 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 that limits how much sanding you can do, certainly. Um, right. <laughs> Right. You don't want to, well, I'll tell you what, the, the, the reason that typically the reason that a wood doesn't absorb any more stain, as you probably know, is if it's been finished once before, it's, the wood grain is sealed, right? Whether it's a polyurethane or it's stain or paint or what, it doesn't matter. Whatever's in that wood originally, no matter how much you sand, some of it remains. And so it can't accept any more stain. And so the only solution really is to um, use a gel stain, which actually sits on top of the finish and doesn't soak in all the way. And I've never had great luck with that, making that work 100% successfully every time, but that that's the only solution. Because first of all, again, you're limited to sanding, so you can't sand off what's there. You're gonna go right through the veneer. So um, the only thing I could recommend, and the reason it's staying s- sticky is because the solvent ex- has evaporated, the pigment's been left behind, and it is not soaking into the wood. Um, so you're gonna have to scrub that off with some mineral spirits. Um, in a steel wool pad. Well, I am using Old Master's gel stain okay. on it. You now, that's what's surprising to me. Right. Is that I've done, it, I've done, this is my third one of them tables right. in um, probably less than a year. And this is the only one, and I'm, just, I'm putting it over the old stain, but this is the only one that I've had any kind of problem with. Yeah, well, like I said, it, the only th- reason I know is that the surface has been previously stained or sealed, and now it's not accepting. Why it's only used working in that one area, I'm not sure, other than just scrubbing it with uh, mineral spirit to get off what's there and starting again. I'm, I'm sorry, Gene, I don't have another option for you. Um, yeah. If it was a solid I mean, table, you could strip it right down to the bare wood, take off as much wood as you can, and you have a brand new surface. But unfortunately, with a veneered table, of course, you cannot do that. You could try sealing it with, Zinser makes a shellac seal coat. You could try sealing it with that and then going, because that would seal whatever's there now, and then go over it with a gel stain and see if that allows you to even it out. Again, that Zinser's, and I think it's just called shellac seal coat. Shellac seal coat. Mm-hmm. Yes. Try that. Okay. Oh, great. That's a bad be up good. That's a, that, that's great. I wish we had a magic potion for you on that one, but boy, it, it, you do run across those kind of things sometimes and just scratch your head and wonder why just this one area, but hopefully this will get you past that hurdle. Yeah. It, it, I, I've had one of these back a couple of years ago on a little small end table, mm-hmm. and I, I finally just uh, mixed a little stain and some um, polyurethane, and just like rubbed it on there and yeah. and, and got by. This one, no, it, it's still. I'm running into that not drying. I, that's that's. I, 
I've never had that. Right, right. Well, like like Joe said, wiping it down as much as you can with mineral spirits and see if you can try the Zinser and maybe that'll do it. Gene, I appreciate you being a part of the show and uh, hope you can get past this as soon as possible. Thank you so much. Thank okay. You. All right. Thanks. So- that 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 uh, of a product you you were saying that 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 might be the 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 thing that I need. We'll give her a try. Good. That sounds great. You have a great weekend. Glad you were part of the show today. Take care. Same to you, sir. All righty. You're listening to today's Homeowner Radio. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to tell you about a pretty cool, fairly new type of glue that might be just what you need to repair a few of those broken things you might be looking at around your home. You're listening to today's Homeowner Radio. We'll be right back. Today's homeowner is brought to you by Pavestone, creating beautiful landscapes. And welcome back to the Today's Homeowner Radio Show. I want to tell you about something here that was brought to our attention by our friends at Titebond. You know, one constant for all, for all homeowners is the endless use of repair, you know, to have to repair things. There's always things that are happening. Even the most careful people occasionally have a broken lamp or a chipped piece of pottery. And if you have small children at home, you know, a number of those repairs will certainly increase drastically. And don't worry, it, uh, you know, it, it, Goes okay for a few years until the grandkids come around. That's what I'm finding out. <laughs> yeah, and that's right. suddenly you got to start moving things a little higher and higher on the bookcase. So keep up, keep their little hands away from it. But you know, the question with all of these repairs is, what glue do I use to make sure that it's done right and it's nice and clear when you're doing all of these different surfaces? So here's a great addition to your toolbox. Quick and Thick is a multi-surface glue made by our friends at Tightbond and designed specifically to address those kind of calamities. It's thick, fast-drying, water-based glue that works on both porous and semi-porous materials. So in addition to wood, it'll also work on pottery, ceramic, stone, glass, fabrics, and even leather. Because it's thick, it stays in place um, while you're able to position everything right where you need it and provides a strong initial tack. That means the repair is completely completed quickly, and but you still have a little time to realign any of the working pieces. Good thing is, is it dries clear and is not affected by finishes like paint, so your repairs can become practically invisible. Plus, when you're not making repairs, it's great for putting together craft projects. Now, to find out more, check it out right now at tightbond.com slash quick and thick. I've used it before. It's in my drawer in my kitchen, and certainly uh, it gets used all the times with those uh, rambunctious grandkids that invade from time to time. So you should see if they sell it in a gallon jug. Yeah, I know you're going to need. <laughs> hey, let's get right back to the today's homeowner hotline. Chris is on from New Jersey with us right now. Chris, welcome to the show, and tell us what's going on around your house there. Well, thanks for having me. Um, well, I've got a uh, large stone patio off the back of our house, and uh, <clears throat> you know it has really lovely views uh, to the west. Unfortunately, we live uh, now besides a very busy road, so we would like to construct a wooden fence to block some of that street noise out. And I just wonder if you guys have any suggestions as you know the best design for a fence or materials that we might use to to take some of that sound away. 
Okay. All right. Great question, uh, Chris. Well, uh, certainly any kind of masonry wall would uh, provide the best um, soundproofing. Of course, you're going to have a delicate balance there between blocking off noise and blocking the view. So that will be something that you really want to consider as to exactly how high you want it. You could consider using, um, you know, um, a masonry product like um, concrete blocks and then a stucco finish on it, but also wood um, absorb sound pretty well. So putting a, a solid wood fence in and keeping those boards nice and tight. Uh, but without a doubt, plants are going to uh, really help you a lot. Joe, what, um, wouldn't you think um, maybe a maybe the best way to absorb that sound as much as possible and deflect a lot of that sound maybe is with a nice thick hedge in addition to a wood fence? What do you think? Yeah, you would absolutely have to have, Chris, the, the only thing that blocks sound is something that the more mass the better. So if you're going to use plantings, the plantings are going to break maybe the first sound wave, but behind it, you have to have some kind of mass. The fact you have a stone um, patio will help, uh, assuming that it comes up out of the ground several inches or a foot or two. How high up does the patio come out of the ground? Oh, it's about, uh, it, it's sort of on a, you know, it'll start about two inches and goes out to about, uh, it's on a bit of a grade, so it goes out to about two feet. Okay, well, two feet is great because that, there's nothing, as Danny said, there's nothing that absorbs, not absorbs, but blocks sound better than masonry, meaning stone. So I would say on top of that, you can build a fence. It does absolutely have to be a solid board fence, can't have any spaces in it. And as a general rule, and if you can see, it's called the line of sight rule, meaning if you can see where the source of the noise is, either over or under the fence, then it's not doing you any good, right? So you're going to have to build it as high as necessary. On a patio, I assume the noise is more of an issue when you're sitting down, which is great, which means the fence doesn't have to be that high. And the other thing, most fences have spaces underneath it for obvious reasons. If it's sitting right on the ground, the wood is exposed to water and it'll rot. Unfortunately, in this case, that fence has to be right on the top of the patio or on the ground because obviously if there's a foreign space the noise will come through it so that's the general rule is block the noise completely you know and make it as high as necessary it doesn't have to be any higher but as high as necessary so you don't see the road got it okay that sounds right. great okay just make sure there's no spaces between those boards on the fence itself I understand. Okay, that sounds great. And just a little uh, public service announcement, call 811 before you start digging in everything up. I learned that the hard way. 811 will allow, you know, will come out and mark all your underground lines. You, you don't want that post hole digger to go in and end up hearing a sizzling sound. That's not fun. All right. Thanks so much, Charles. I appreciate okay, it. Okay, Arch, you take care, Chris. Have a great weekend. All right. You too, guys. Hey, you're listening to today's Homeowner Radio. When we come back, it's simple solution time. You're going to want to hear this one. You're listening to today's Homeowner Radio. We'll be right back. Welcome back to today's Homeowner Radio. Here are Danny and Joe. Every week, we're so fortunate to have my friend Joe Truini share with us a simple solution. Joe, what do you have for us this hour? All right, Danny. I wanted to make some flower boxes for the railings on our front porch and also on our back deck. But rather than building the boxes out of wood, I took a shortcut and I used plastic rain gutters. They're actually vinyl, I guess, but um, you can go to any home center and they have plastic rain gutters. I think they come in two colors, right? They come in white and brown. Mm -hmm. I got the white ones to match the trim on the house. And all I did is I just cut the gutters into three foot long sections, then drilled a couple of, I think two or three 
quarter inch diameter drainage holes through the bottom of the gutter. That's just so, you know, excess water can drain out. Then I slipped on onto the railing, I slipped two mounting brackets. So what you do is you buy the gutters, you buy the mounting brackets, and you buy two end caps, of course, just mm-hmm. to hold the mm-hmm. dirt in place. And I basically just fastened the gutters directly to the railing with a couple of decking screws, lined the bottom of the of the gutter with landscape fabric just to keep the soil from sifting through. Put in some flowering plants, and it looks beautiful. And you wouldn't, when you first look at it, you don't even see the gutters really, especially if you have. I happen to have some plants that kind of hang over the front right, edge, right? Yeah. And then behind mm-hmm. it, some t- smaller, some taller uh, flowering plants. Uh, but it looks great. It's absolutely indestructible. I mean, a vinyl lasts forever. You don't have to worry about it um, rotting as wood would. As and at the end of the season, I live in Connecticut, so at the end of the season, we usually put the plantings away. You just unsnap it from the brackets and store it away. Oh, boy. And, you know, introducing some color and some greenery and some, you know, maybe like you're saying, some almost vines along there really does make a big difference in the overall look of that. Because, uh, you know, I've seen a lot of problems with people putting large container, um, you know, right on the deck. Of course, you're watering it. The water gets on the deck. Sooner or later, you got a heck of a problem. So it's good when you can get it like this to where it's not going to affect and deteriorate any of the wood around there. That's great. Another very good, simple solution for my buddy, Joe Truini. You can see a whole lot more by going to todayshomeowner.com slash simple solutions. And while you're there, find out where you can see the Today's Homeowner television show in your area. We're in over 90% of the country. You'll be able to find us. And if you do this weekend, you're going to see a pretty cool show we're calling a growing project. What this was, pretty unique situation where someone had a back porch at some point, and as back porches evolve, it became a little sunroom. Well, it just never did work for um, the new homeowners that are in there, and they really wanted some, you know, some more plants inside. So we converted this into a a sunroom that you can live in. I mean, it is really neat how we were able to uh, put a coating on the floor to help out to make sure that it kind of an anti-skid um, scenario there that we were able to put a coating on from our friends at Deitch Coatings. And then we built these really cool planters out of um, cedar, rough cedar. And then like you're talking about with the vinyl, um, Joe, instead yeah. of gutters, we use regular planted elongated planters that we built into it and planted the plants. And I mean, I mean, just a two or three days work there. It's just amazing how good that look. And of course, Chelsea and her design skills made it just really blend in well. And then, you know, um, not only when you're in that room, is it a fantastic feeling? Actually, uh, they put a little small table in for her and her boyfriend to, to um, eat you know, eat meals right in the middle of all of the plants, but you're able to basically pick it up, move it outside, bring it back in, kind of rotating the crops, as we say. Right. So, you know, uh, but it's a pretty cool way. And I hope everybody will have an opportunity What's this the weekend name of the episode to, again? to check What's it out. We're it? calling it the A Growing Project. Growing Project. So, oh, I have to look for that. So you need to check that out. It's episode number 1056. We have over 600 episodes waiting on you right now at todayshomeowner.com as well as on Exumo, Tubi, Freevee, Pluto, Roku. And if you have a Vizio or LG Smart TV, we have our own channels on there. So just do a search for Today's Homeowner, sit back, relax, and you'll get all the home improvement information you can handle. That's a lot of a lot of shows we've created over the years. Well, that pretty much wraps up the first hour of today's homeowner radio so glad you were able to spend some time with us we really appreciate it i'm danny lipford along with my buddy joe truini thanks again we'll see you soon